What I really needed was to recreate myself, which means to bring something new into the world that has never existed before. Welcome today, I have Shireen Thor, and she and I connected through social media. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, Basically, way... he's stalking you. Likewise, you know, we connected. It was funny because we right before we got on the show, we didn't know who was the guest and who was the host of the show. Have you ever had that? That's, like, how, that's how you know we really have our stuff together. You know what? You, you should always be ready to dance a little bit. And, uh, you know, when I did my, uh, you, you had to do a TED Talk. So you got, I memorized that thing a hundred times. So I can do that anywhere in the world at, any, at a drop of a hat. So I was, I was kind of going through my thing. And at the, at the beginning, I said, my God, this, I think she's on my show, um, you know, which is, which is interesting because <laughs> we started our conversations talking about how, how I said, we need someone like you on our show. And, and you were going through the punch list. I said, yeah, I need all those, um, you know, because we don't have a yeah. lot, a lot of the, well, a lot of the, the female authors that we reach out to don't get back to us. So I think they're pretty busy. Um, which leads me to, to the, the, the first question is, tell us a little bit about uh, how you came from, um, you know, your journey up to where you are now, where you're, where you're doing what you love. Uh, tell us how you, how you got here. And, uh... Well, as with most journeys where you start to do what you love, it starts with doing what you don't love. <laughs> <laughs> so honestly, I just was sort of like your quintessential first gen, born of an immigrant family girl, was supposed to be a doctor, lawyer, or an engineer, wasn't here for it, uh, but didn't want to disappoint my mother and become the starving artist that I truly was meant to be. <laughs> or really? me, I honestly, when I went to college, I really wanted, first of all, I probably wouldn't have gone to college. If it wasn't for all the pressure from my Egyptian family that values education, I likely would have not gone because I wasn't into it. But since I was, expected to and sort of you know semi-forced to i would have loved to major in philosophy or art or dance mm. and didn't have the balls or the tits i don't know if you use bad words that's okay <laughs> well, yeah i do um permission you know, to proceed <laughs> thank you thank you with all of the obscenities yeah so i just didn't have the guts to right. disappoint my mother. And so I ended up sort of skating in the middle. Instead of choosing engineering like she would have liked, mm. I chose human communication studies because, you know, like, I'm interested in people. That sounds cool. Let's do it. So I graduated, got a job, was quickly sexually harassed and devalued, oh, wow. as per many women have experienced. And honestly, I was just really unhappy. And I was not even 25. I was like almost 25 and felt like, wow, is this what I was supposed to do? Is this is this the plan my mom had laid out for me that I would have this extremely mediocre experience? Because the way she talked about it, I thought that when I checked all those boxes, you know, did all those expectations that I would be happy. And I was definitely not happy. So mm -hmm. luckily I had a friend who nagged me insanely to go to a personal development seminar. I thought I was too cool for school, didn't want to go, put it off, but finally couldn't take the nagging anymore and went. Mm -hmm and literally was trying to get my money back and they said you know look our return policy is if you go through the whole weekend and you get nothing out of it we will give you your money back but we're not just going to give you your money back on night one i'm like <laughs> fine so i go through it it literally changes my life like 
whatever limitations, whatever little boxes I was living in that said, you need to make choices to make your mother happy. You don't get to actually be who you are. Mm. Stay small, stay normal. We're just blown out. So I left that seminar with a 90 day goal that was to do stand up comedy three times in three months. And that was the beginning of my own sort of like waking up to my inner rebel, the part of me that was willing to disappoint my mother, the part of me that was willing to like take a risk or a chance on what I actually wanted versus what someone else told me I should do. And so that's why I now have a company called Awaken the Rebel. And it's all about just letting it okay to be bad a little bit so that you can actually honor your soul's higher calling. You know, it's interesting. I mean, the, I read that the book we were chatting about before we started, Steal Like an Artist. He says, the worst place in the world to get advice about what to do with your life is from your parents. <laughs> so true. It's the worst place. Because they, you know, and I'm a parent, and the only thing I want for my kids, I'm not, I want everything, but above all, I want them to be safe. Yeah. I don't want them to be hurt. And then I'm sure it's out of the highest level of love that she wanted this life for you. Exactly. Yeah. Not knowing that that life would be painful for, for you. Right, exactly. That's such a yeah. good point. There's, there's no world in which she thought, I'm going to encourage my daughter to be miserable. This is going to be great. She just thought stability, money, security yeah. is what's best for me. And yeah. certainly I still want those things. Even as a crazy wild rebel girl, I still want stability, security, and those things that are going to keep me healthy and, and whole. But I I, you know, I'm just a creative type. I need a little more adventure. Um, but you make a really good point that I think a lot of people miss is that your parents want what's best for you. Even when they're dead wrong, they still yeah. are really just hoping for the best. And that's such a good point. How, tell us how that conversation goes. You go, I mean, she put, she's come across the world for you to be in California. <laughs> right, exactly. The best educational system on earth and you're going to be a comedian. Oh my God. <laughs> tell tell how that conversation go. Well, this is what I love about you is like, you totally get it. There is such a guilt when you are the first gen. Like my parents did so much to get all the way over here. And like, you know, people who used to be doctors now have to work at a gas station so that they can barely make ends meet because their license in Egypt isn't applicable here. Like just having to really, really just be in that <laughs> grind of life. They could have avoided if they just stayed yeah. over there, but they do it for their kids, right? They do it for the future. And here I am being mm -hmm. like, I'm just gonna throw it in the trash, mom. Thank you, I'm gonna be a comedian. Well, the conversation didn't happen. I just did it. It definitely wasn't like, hey mom, I need your approval. It was like, I'm just doing this. Um, uh, and as you know, you could expect, she was certainly embarrassed. She was hmm. embarrassed. She didn't want her Egyptian community to know. <laughs> she didn't want to be shamed by her like wild rebellious daughter oh. and as with most parents, once I started getting scouted by MTV and brought into auditions to audition for E or VH1, mm. she started to be impressed. And she started to be like, well, wow, like maybe, okay, maybe I was wrong. Maybe this is cool. And so, yeah, I've just learned slowly but surely I need to just do what I need to do. And then the approval will come later as right. like when the rest of the world approves, she'll jump on the bandwagon, but I can't expect her to be on my bandwagon early on. <laughs> That's like the Elton John movie, right? At the end, the father's like, you see, I told you this kid has something. <laughs> it's the whole exactly. time he's trying to talk him out of music. Who was it? Did you see Hamilton? I, I love that movie so much. You're you like Angelica Schuyler, the oldest sister, right? She, she's the one who had to marry up. And, and That's while the, exactly right. 
Yeah. yeah. And she so you had to do the right thing. thing. I had to do. Oh. Yeah, exactly. But I didn't. I married down into comedy. Yeah. <laughs> I don't. I, I've, I have the comedy channel in my car. I'm sure you do. That's, it's so I mean, much I, more I, fun. I don't want to listen to news. I want to jump off a cliff. Oh my gosh. Tell, exactly. tell us about that journey. I mean, that's like fascinating to me. Tell me about transformation from kind of corporate into walking on stage, doing a bit. Tell oh me about it. Oh my gosh. So crazy. So I'll tell you about the first time because the first time is yeah. the most, is the scariest, you know? So I was doing an open mic. I heard there was this guy named Bill Word who helped new female comics. He had this club called Martini Blues in Huntington Beach. And so I got on the list to do an open mic. And I drink like a beer. I'm a super lightweight. So I drink like one beer just to kind of like take the edge off. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's my turn to go up. You know, it's this guy up in front of me. I think his name is Joe Braza. And then, you know, Bill Ward gets up there and says, oh, her, her comedy debut, Shireen Faltis. That's my old last name. And I, it's so amazing, honestly, what happens in your brain when your mm -hmm. fear is going off because I completely started to, my, my brain was like, you need to bolt. Like you need to get out the door. This is the stupidest thing you've ever done. Leave immediately. And I, of course I knew like, I can't, you know, right. the guy's already called my name. Like I can't just run out the door like Over. a coward. <laughs> so I, you know, one foot in front of the other, get up there on the stage. And I, the, the nerves went away the second I started talking. But just leading up to getting on that stage was excruciatingly terrifying. And then I just talked and started saying inappropriate stuff about, you know, when I lost my virginity. And all this, like, I, weird I, heard, stuff. I saw one of your bits. I don't know if it was the first one, but it was the walk like an Egyptian bit. That was pretty funny. <laughs> yes, it's always been really funny to make fun of my mom's accent and all the things. Yeah. So anyway. That's great. Yeah. It was like a right. two-year adventure. I did comedy like two to three times a week. I got up at the improv, the ice house, the comedy store. Mm -hmm. I toured in the United States of America. It was, it was an exciting time. And then after two years of doing it, I sort of realized I just didn't love it the way I thought. I, I really thought this is it. You know, I'm gonna like really make my way as an entertainer. That's what I thought when I first got into it. And then when right. I started getting scouted by MTV and I started going in for auditions, I just, I could just tell I was at the point where I was like, this is not lighting me up anymore. I get up on stage now and I actually don't care if they laugh. I feel like I waste the gas to get here. I just could feel that my heart wasn't in it anymore. And while I was doing those two years of comedy, I was also completely getting my personal development junkie on investing in all the rest of the courses that yeah. the seminar company had to offer. And that's where I was really coming alive. I was like, oh, wow, there's something to this where you pull off the mask of who you were being because you thought that's what people wanted and how, ha how happy I am now being the true version of myself, how much mm. more energy I have being the true version of myself, how much more just like whole and centered I feel being my actual self versus like, you know, playing a role. Mm. And so ultimately I decided to opt out of comedy and opt into get, becoming an actual certified coach, which then led to becoming an entrepreneur to learn how to run a business as a coach. Hmm. And here we are, you know? Now I'm just doing the damn thing. Yeah, I think you're onto something there. There could be a whole industry called parental intervention, you know? In the, <laughs> just get, I used to have an addiction center. Yeah, so we used to have an intervention business. And, you know, but you, 
I did intervent. I drank every day for 30 years, but I, I had a lot of really productive uh, financial advisors that drank more than I did. So one day I showed up at this guy's house and he was shaking you know, in the morning and I was already in the house, like uh, Chris Hansen from To Catch a Predator. So I come out from behind the curtain and the guy's sitting there and he's like, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm here to tell you you've been drinking too much. And when I show up to tell you you've been drinking too much, you've been drinking too much, you're going. I, I, that was my old, one and only intervention, one for one. But if you imagine walking in, you know, having an intervention oh, cool. business where a parent, you know, someone would come in and say, hey, we got to talk to you about your daughter. <laughs> right? Yeah, she's not yes. going to be a doctor. Oh, my she's going to be a comedian. <laughs> yes. I'm super, super curious to, to uh, find out what, what seminar, what kind of seminar it was. That's kind of interesting. What was it? So their, com so their company is called PSI. Mm -hmm. um, personal Success Institute. It's called Sci Seminars, and they have a bunch of stuff. They're similar to Landmark Forum, but maybe a little yeah. more heart-centered. I've heard a lot of people say they're kind of similar. Yeah. So I just did all, I drank all that Kool-Aid. I just went all in. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you become, you become not only the five, you know, some average of the five people you hang out with, but you be, you become the, you know, the some average of the five people or organizations that you choose to mentor you. Mm -hmm. you, that's your influence, that's right? Point. Yeah, yeah that's, that's really cool. And so, yeah. so how was the journey from? I mean, God knows what comedic comedy paid. It made did it pay well? Just curious. No, no. Did, did it pay? Comedians did it pay bills? literally get the shit kicked out of them for like ten years until they're like Dane Cook. Like that's just how it goes. <laughs> what, are, so, what are they yeah. doing for money? What are they? How do they pay their bills while they're doing that? Just subject? I mean. Yeah, something. Oh, Being a waiter. I have a friend who's a radio host. That's paid him way more than comedy's ever paid him, but doing comedy got him to be a radio host, you know? So, mm. yeah. or, or you're freaking Amy Schumer and that's it, you know? You just make it. It can be a, or, or Mark <laughs> Marion. I mean, I feel like his podcast made him bigger than his comedy career ever really did. Yeah. Now he's the, like the killing it. The process of recreating yourself from a, what were you in the human communication world? What was your actual job? So I actually did, um, I was a client manager at an advertising firm. Mm -hmm. And honestly, I did that for a very, I did it for like two years before I started like kind of douching around in my career to find myself. <laughs> I love it. Douching so, around. Yeah, I was, you I know, I was a comedian and I, I did yeah. work off and on in nonprofits. So I would go mm -hmm. facilitate sort of like life skills and retreats for youth for these nonprofits. Um, and then I also dabbled in sales and marketing. And so now what I do with Awaken Rebel is a mixture of all those things, right? Like I host my own mm -hmm. podcast, I host events, I entertain the way I would as a comedian. I facilitate my own retreats or my own events right. or masterminds the way I used to as a nonprofit contractor. And then I also do sales and marketing because I'm an entrepreneur. So it came together eventually, but damn, it took a long time. And I was confused the whole way through. <laughs> <laughs> that's a that's a good course too is how to quit the job you hate oh my gosh yes yeah it, that's uh you know it's interesting there's a there's an emotional cycle of change i was reading about i think i did a, a, a clip on it recently where you do something new and you have this uninformed optimism right and then you start to get real life feedback i'm sure you had like i could be a great comedian i can tell jokes and get paid be great mm -hmm. and then you get this really informed pessimism and then yeah. down the bottom which is interesting in your journey, you, go, you do usually 
it's kind of an entrepreneurial, obviously comedy is an entrepreneurial journey. I, Mm -hmm. It's not a very well paid one a lot of times, but there's a value of despair that you get dropped into where you're going and you don't get a lot of feedback sometimes financially mm -hmm. or, or in comedy. I'm sure it's, it's a yeah. intrinsic, intrinsic. <clears throat> a lot of people bounce, they quit. Oh, instead yeah, of, but the, the, another option, it sounds like you did is you applied this newfound courage in, into a brand. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, I feel yeah. like, Ultimately, that's really what my brand is about, is about lifestyle design. And mm -hmm. when I really thought about it, I was like, I don't want to tour. I just don't. I don't want to tour. Yeah. I don't want to be at, at like performing on New Year's Eve for other people. Like I want to be doing my own damn New Year's Eve because I just want to like kick it on New Year's Eve. So mm -hmm. I just started to realize lifestyle wise, it actually wasn't really a fit. Me sitting right here podcasting with you or in mm -hmm. my own little home studio creating my own podcast whenever the hell I want is a much better fit for the kind of lifestyle I want, you know? So just kind of part of it was really just sort of like a strategic lifestyle design choice of like, I don't even know if this is really ultimately the way I want to spend my time, you know? Mm -hmm. What was your biggest challenge going from um, corporate to comedy? And I'm asking the same question from comedy to coaching. Corporate to comedy, I guess the biggest challenge was like disapproval, being afraid that I would look stupid, you know, that I would fail and look stupid and that, yeah, I would just, you know, all the fears you have that would keep you from doing comedy. I think just facing those fears is the biggest, hardest thing. But really, once I started getting into it, I was like, whoa, this is a great time. I'm having a good time meeting people. It's a, it a big adventure. You know, it was really, really cool. Um, going from comedy to coaching, the biggest challenge or transition was going from, ha ha ha, I'm so funny. I'm just trying to make you laugh. Let me be edgy, cynical, and cool. Two, I'm actually in my heart and I'm really sharing who I am with you. And I'm actually really trying to make a difference. And this was a lot more vulnerable to be a coach than it was to be a comedian. I know that sounds weird because as a comedian, you're really like putting yourself in the line of judgment of a lot of people. But as a comedian, you are to some degree playing a role. You're just trying to make them laugh. It's not, you're not telling real stories. You're telling the story that has the punchline at the end. So there's this and, and there's this um, element of a barrier that's still there. But in coaching, I'm really just actually myself and I really just wanna help people. And so it's a lot more vulnerable and connected and emotional, if you will. <laughs> that's the big-, the big uh, Talk about the outcome. I mean, everyone works for, you know, the outcome that a, that a successful coaching experience would be for a client or, so I, there's a lot of coaches, I get a lot of, coaches just a different I mean literally anything now you can get coached Tiger Woods has six coaches I have I have a coach I have a video coach now I just hired one she's great okay. boy is she good boy, she she I suck compared to her she's she's just good <laughs> she's she's like she's like the the best I've seen um but tell me the like the experience and the outcome someone's My, what are women looking for right now because yeah. i have a lot of women listeners i do not get a lot of women guests so i'm kind of like interested yeah and like ultimately i for a long time actually coached, coached both men and women mm -hmm. and i still will coach a man if he comes my way i just have sort of chosen the niche of women because i got one i became a wife and a mom and yeah. honestly once those things happened i realized it's so easy for women to get the short end of the stick. 
like even in their marriage financially, it's really easy for it to be like, oh, the man's the breadwinner and the woman just takes care of the babies. And so her needs, and, and I just was starting to see how much it's ingrained in our culture and society and almost expectations put on women to just give it up, man, just like lay over and just do what everybody wants. Take care of the kids, take care of the partner and your needs don't really matter. And so once I not only have felt that the pain of that as a new mom, but also saw how much it runs rampant with women all across the board, even if they're not a mom, they, they burn the candle both ends so badly. So, so what it looks like for a female client to work with me and to get a result, you know, you asked about outcome, is that they would go from being sort of like, in the most extreme case, like a martyr or a doormat or a people pleaser, to someone who is confident, courageous, assertive, and doesn't feel guilty about it. So that's where they, they have to become empowered in order to actually pave their way towards a life that honors their higher calling, where they're living their purpose, where they're being who they truly are. And then they create this lifestyle they love. They first have to grow the tits to do it. And so I think that's really what I help women do is stop letting, settling for less, second guessing themselves, giving away their power. I help women, women empower themselves, realize it's actually not out there. It's inside and you're just giving it away. So please stop giving it away. Hold it in. Let's go where you want to go. Let's direct your life. Um, and man, it ends beautifully. They are very happy. They are very empowered. They are much more fulfilled because the choices they've made are now leading them towards fulfillment in the same way that I was super unhappy as a cubicle person. I now am way more fulfilled and happy as a person who is creative and alive and using my skills and talents and has a happy, healthy relationships, right? So they basically go through the transformation that I took myself through. I just hope to make it faster for them, you know? Yeah, I interviewed a, a guy, his books, I think it's behind me called, oh, where is it? It was called, um, oh, his name's Ryan Berman, uh, uh, Return on Courage. Like that courage, the courageous uh, the characteristics of courage are just, I think, a really important thing to talk about, particularly for people who are are stuck in in a world. I mean, a lot of people are stuck financially, but a lot other people are stuck worrying about what other people think about them. Yeah, like they have this brand. Everyone's got a brand, I and mean, it's just right. Like and everyone wants to protect their brand. And like sometimes you're like, what protect what against what? Right. You know what I mean? You, you know, a lot of, mm -hmm. lot of people, uh, that's really interesting. You went from, from cube, <laughs> from cube to comedy to coaching. Yep. Talk about creativity. Um, I mean, I think that's a, I think people have a, a need to express themselves mm -hmm. in the creative, in their creative lives. Um, and corporation, corporations don't lead to that. They want you to, they want you to give them hours of your life through a trade called uh, mm -hmm. in, in employment where you trade yep. units of your hours of, their, of your life to them for, for, for their agenda. But creatives, like if you're coaching somebody, um, are you designing like that? What do you call it? Lifestyle design? Like that's, Honestly, a, that's an interesting, interesting uh, concept. Yeah, honestly, to me, creativity is such an interesting thing because sometimes it might show up in your work, right? Like your career, how your purpose mm -hmm. expresses itself. And sometimes it might not, but always it's necessary. My, I don't know, my perspective about creativity is that it's uh, the air that the soul breathes. So when you starve your soul of creativity, 
you are actually suffocating your soul and you're dying mm -hmm. in your life. You might not know it, but it's that slow death. The one that like, you just don't even realize it's happening. Mm -hmm. Like I know someone who is a mom of four and man, when she was young, she used to dye her hair rainbow colored, literally red, <laughs> orange, right. yellow, right? She had a whole rainbow yeah. in her hair. She would write poetry on her walls. She would have stick. Mm -hmm. This is someone who was inherently creative, not something she needed to think about or try to be. It was just who she was. She lives life. She gets jobs. She becomes a mom of four and she's drowning in her life. And she recently just took my revolutionary woman mastermind class that I just did. And man, one of the things I ask people in this class is when you get to the end of your life, what's going to actually make you proud? Like when you're dead after a hundred mm. years, you're dead and you're in heaven and you're talking to your people and you're bragging about the things you're the most proud of. When you look back, what is it? And man, she just had creativity flood her. She doesn't have creativity in her life anywhere right now. But when I asked her questions to have her get in tune with her truth and her soul, mm. boom, creativity comes back right away. So, you know, I think creativity is just one of those things that keeps us truly feeling alive and vibrant in our lives. And so mm -hmm. it just needs its due respect. And I think our Western culture really does not give it the respect it's due. And we, and we die, my friend. Oh, we're so, mon <laughs> we're so monetary. I mean, everything, everything's about how much money you make and what kind of things you have. Talk, talk about that, that, that end of life concept, because that's, that's something I always kind of ask people. And the, the exercise is a trip to heaven and a trip to hell. So let's pretend Ooh. you're 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 in like I was I was down to days terminally ill waiting for a last minute transplant, and people come to see you when you're sick like they're coming to say goodbye and the, mm -hmm. the looks on their face is always like it's usually just pity. Yeah, like that was hell for me. That was very hard for me. And then if I were to reverse engineer, you know, reverse engineer that back to that moment and it was heaven for me, mm -hmm. it would be. You know, I did, I, 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 I got back up after I fell. I gave back. I didn't, you know, I did the right thing with the time. I taught, mm -hmm. I learned, I earned, I returned, you know, and used the, but what does, what does heaven look like for you? Hmm. Yeah, honestly, like truth is like, I'm really, I, I have my life. Like that's what I've created in my life right now mm -hmm. is heaven. Like I get to be a mom and a wife. And so I get to enjoy that fulfillment, right? That comes with being a parent mm -hmm. and I honor what I truly need. So I get help and I send the kids to school and I do what I got to do so that I can still feel whole in my life. And then I create this cool ass business where I'm creative and I'm weird and I get to cuss and be the truth of who I actually am. And that business has no glass ceiling. It's like right. totally infinite and it can go wherever the hell I take it. And like that feels like a life that I am so proud of. And ultimately, look, my dad died when I was 17. So very young, mortality yeah. just hit me like a gut punch. I just remember feeling so struck by the, the, how weird it was that he was once here and now he just isn't. I just, my mind was just like, <laughs> mortality just, and yeah. I became very carpe diem very early. Very like, I, mm. now I know, like you can just, be gone at some point. And ever since then, I mean, that I was 17, fast forward to that seminar I went to when I was 24. And I was mm -hmm. really happy to go to that seminar because I started to ask those types of questions. And 
I think I needed that little kick in the pants to really create mm -hmm. what I have now. You know, what I have now is to me a life that is really beautiful and harmonious mm -hmm. and I'm very joyful and I certainly struggle. Look, my life is not like a cakewalk. I certainly struggle. And yet um, I just maintain positivity and I'm always very strategic on how to move forward in the ways that are going to support me and continuing to feel like my life is a reflection of my heaven, you know? Were you safe to say you were in hell that day you wandered into the, uh, you're on your way to hell that day you wandered into the seminar? 100%, 100%. Yeah, I was so unhappy. I was in a job where I felt undervalued and disrespected daily because when I got sexually harassed, I was literally three months out of college and I got sexually harassed by this guy. He walked into my office and he told me that if I didn't lose my attitude, he was going to bend me over my desk and spank me. Are you kidding me, dude? Like what just happened? So then I go to my superior and I say, well, this thing just happened. It feels like it was really very inappropriate. I'm young. I'm like 24. I don't freaking know. You know, I'm just like, ah, this doesn't feel right. Um, and he was so mad. So he went to the person above him and they were both so mad. And they went to the top, the CEO. They were like mm -hmm. the three main leaders. And that CEO was like, yeah, but he was joking, right? Like he didn't really mean it right. Mm -hmm. And I remember walking out. Have you seen Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind? I haven't. Oh my gosh, you have to see it. It's a great movie. Such a good movie. But anyway, I remember walking out. I was going to give you an analogy, but since you haven't seen it, <laughs> we'll just let it go. Um, I walked out of that CEO's office and honestly felt like the freaking lights went out. Like mm. every day that I stayed at that job was like a shred of my dignity being taken away. I felt like me staying at that job was me being complicit in my own harassment and my own like basically i just felt like i was subconsciously saying it's okay for you to disrespect me and it's okay for you to treat me badly and right. i really can't do anything about it because i had my mom's voice in my head saying right. you really don't want to leave this early it's gonna look bad on your resume you really oh, probably God. can't find yeah. anything better you know and so right. truly that was honestly a hellish life where i was feeling subjugated and disrespected daily and was just didn't think i could do better and didn't mm. think that i got to stand up for myself and man i was unhappy at that time very very unhappy i told you that's a good course <laughs> you hate. it's so good i know that's a good right course. how to quit the I job you that. hate that'd be a good book too tell me about uh tell me who your heroes are i like to figure out who you kind of i know how we can well i'm be interested to see how we connected but how, who are your heroes definitely maya angelo because mm -hmm. she's sort of like a hybrid right of like an artist and an activist and a political figure and a poet like she just somehow is so powerful and makes such a difference and yet all she's really doing is sharing a vulnerable beautiful thought about how life can be better i just mm. something about her just has always really resonated with me i named my daughter after her oh wow really so, <laughs> mm -hmm, yeah my daughter's name is maya yeah lovely who else do you follow or here you know who, who do you look up I to do. i like to know that I really enjoy Gary Vee. Mm -hmm. I find him to be just really in your face, straight up, let the cuss words rip 100% about the heart, but he also really preaches that character and kindness are king. And that feels mm. really revolutionary to me, actually. You know, I'm a, a male out in the world preaching that you should be kind and do the right thing. I mean, that's beautiful, you know? So I really enjoy him too. Authent the authenticity is infectious. I mean, it's contagious and infectious in a good way. I think in a very good way, there's not enough of it. 
Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't swear a lot. I do, but I, <laughs> it's only because I've been programmed for 25 years not to. Right. So, you know, I'm 20 years ahead of you in this journey. So I've, like, that was not like, I've said it a few times and, and I, and I drop them sparingly. <laughs> Uh, and it, I don't know why I just, and particularly the way media is now, I, I always see someone losing a gig over or losing a job over. But at this point, I really don't give a fuck. Wow. <laughs> Let it rip, my friend. I, I just don't care anymore. Like, what what are you going to do? You're going to kind of vote for me? I don't do anything. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what's nice too is you are an entrepreneur. Like you're mm-hmm. building your own brand and your brand is whatever right. the hell you want it to be. And you know, you're successful enough to where like, where, like you said, who the hell's going to fire you? Like, what do you care? Right. Do you know what the truth? You and huh. I talking? I have no idea what I'm building myself into. Really? I have no clue. And then you know, I've started a couple different things, and some have worked well. I have. I just talking to Steve about it. He's my producer. Like I have these different clumps of things, and some of them are doing quite well in their own world. But mm-hmm. connecting the dots to them all has been hmm. difficult. Can and I help you I've, with that? Because that sounds really juicy to me. <laughs> potentially, yeah. I mean, potentially because. That, you know, I was telling you about this book. I just did a show about this book this morning. See, like an artist, it said, it said it's, it's, um, you don't find yourself and then create around it. You, you try things and create who you are while you're doing that. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing I've learned over the last few years has been through admitting that I, I no, I don't necessarily know. I mean, I have an idea. I mean, I'm, I'm mm-hmm. so business heavy. That's one of my challenges. Like I'm so business heavy that, uh, you know, the, the body and the body and brain and mindset stuff is, has been, that's been my brand new, that's my brand new part of my journey. You know, these, mm-hmm. you know, but being, I always have to go and I was talking to a guy today, I have to go in and I have to, I have to suppress that and listen more because I'm always solving problems, mm-hmm. but that's, it's, it's about creating yourself as you're trying things, not mm-hmm. trying to create yourself and then make it happen. Like you might so not true. be, yeah, you might be trying to put yourself into the wrong place, the wrong hole. Mm-hmm. That's really true. And I think I did that for a long time. I, you know, one thing I knew I loved was like, I, I, in the beginning, I thought, oh, I want to be like Tony Robbins. And so I would like rent a seminar room at a hotel and like promote this event. And I'd be like, mm-hmm. uh, getting my Tony Robbins on, you know? Yeah. But eventually I realized how much I love the outdoors and how I'm really just a creative type. And then I started doing retreats, you know, I was like, you know what? We'll do the same thing. We'll help people change their lives, but I get to be like by the trees and like playing a ukulele and just, I don't know, a little more freedom yeah. vibes, you know? Um, and then I started a comedy camp, you know, and I have, so it's same, right? Like you have all these different things that are parts of right. yourself and, you know, figuring it out. And um, eventually I realized that if I really want to empower women, that money is a part of that that I, while i want to be this like free-spirited right. creative type that's just like i don't care about the money and that's true a lot of that is true there is a part of me that was like no you know what um women have been suppressed and oppressed like mm-hmm. legally and lawfully for far too long for me to even think i could step in the women's empowerment space and like not support them in money so i'm that's egyptian it. right and in ancient Egypt, six million years ago, women had more rights than we have today. It's like the weirdest thing in the world. So anyway, money's now become very important. And so I've been focusing on exactly what you're talking about of like, mm-hmm. how do I really synthesize all these weird different parts of me in this one space so that I can actually have a business that isn't just an expression of my joy mm-hmm. and gifts, but also helps me receive 
you know, receive yeah. back in a way that feels not only according to my lifestyle, but according to the in income I want to make so that I can support my family, buy a house in Santa Monica, all that stuff, you know? There's a, a group I've met, a group of women, and they're in Algeria, right? And I spoke for them. So they tracked me down like you did. I love it. And yeah, and <laughs> the they were great. love you. She, she, <laughs> is, she is amazing. And I think it's almost under the, on the QT, I should connect the two of you, but she's teaching women how to create a coaching and training organization about how to do this very similar thing, you know, how to break out because, mm -hmm. you know, it's net, clearly it's a problem. And I found this in business that I know for sure. Mm -hmm. If you have an audience that has an identifiable problem, a predictable, similar problem, you can create a product that'll help solve that problem. You can make them a mm -hmm. promise to, to help them and they'll pay for it. I, there's a coach that lives not far from you who I'm mentoring and he's concerned about charging someone $997 for a long weekend. Mm. And I said, like, you're gonna give them an idea that it lasts, well, he's got other things in there, but he's gonna give them an mm -hmm. idea that's gonna last their whole entire life. Exactly, yeah. Like, there's no amount of money. I mean, you're gonna spend you're going to spend the money on something you forgot about and they're going to forget they paid you in three months. Well, <laughs> the so idea and the exchange, the exchange of value of friendship and is, is invaluable. Yeah, exactly. And that's the whole thing. I, I said, you're not charging enough because yeah. you know, I learned this from Tony 25 years ago. I was in his, uh, one of his business coaching programs years ago, 20 years ago. You don't pay, you don't pay attention. Mm, right. So true. Oh, cool. Yes. I enjoyed this. I enjoyed this immensely. Uh, and I'm going to sign off here. Any, uh, how does someone get a hold of you? Uh, awakentherebel.com is where I live. And they can, if they're wanting a kick in the pants for some happiness, they can download my little happiness cheat sheet, all my tricks I learned through my course at Yale. Mm. And that's it, really. And the happiness cheat sheets on the website? Mm hmm. Lovely. All right, Shereen, that was awesome. I appreciate you. Thank you, you so time. much. It's been such a joy. I've been, uh, I love connecting with you. Thanks for sharing. Bye.